Welcome to What in the World Language Podcast. I'm here today with teacher, presenter, author, and content creator extraordinaire, Carrie Toad. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So glad you're here. So IFLT 19 is over. It is much cooler outside here at my house than it was in St. Pete, but man, it was so beautiful there. It was beautiful, but it was very hot. That was the consensus. It was like super hot and humid, but beautiful. Um, I And also fattening. Like I could never live there because I ate so much good food while I was there. I don't know how everybody stays thin because it was delicious. Yeah, I agree. There's so many. I ate at the same restaurant three times. <laughs> <laughs> it was that I kept good. trying new places. Did you? We found like a wall of beer and a wall of wine. Like the more you looked around, the more you were like, I could never live here because <laughs> I'd I be here every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't drink beer. Um, I think I'm allergic. But yeah, oh, if I if I did. Yeah, but I've, I heard about that wall of beer place. I just didn't get the visit. The wall of wine was also very delicious. I didn't hear about the, the wall of wine? Yes, you just bought, it was kind of the same thing. You got a card instead of a bracelet and you went along and you could pick how many ounces you wanted of the different wines to try. So you hear that, listeners. If you find yourself in St. Petersburg, go to the wall of wine and wall of beer. <laughs> That is fascinating. So it's over. Oh, um, and there was a language conference too. <laughs> oh yes, that. by the way, <laughs> that's kind of why you're here today. We just kind of right, right. want to talk about some of your takeaways and the things that you did and your role at IFLT 19 this year. So if you would just speak a little bit on that, I'd be appreciative. So without any further ado, let's get started. My role at IFLT, I actually have kind of a few roles. Um, Christy Placido and I, uh, work in the booth for Carol. So a lot of the times that we have downtime, we're working there, kind of helping get little things set up. Um, I was a cohort leader this year. I led the intermediate high cohort. And that was really a lot of fun for me because I had awesome participants and they kind of identified themselves as intermediate highs are like, you know, we are pretty familiar with this CI business and we're ready to take the next step. So even just in the few days since IFLT got over, I've gotten to see blog posts and uh, they've presented in their homeschool districts. And it's fun to see them take the step to become the next group of leaders. And I presented a little bit. I think the cohort was the most rewarding thing for me. That was so you enjoyed mostly the cohort. Uh, oh, experience. I really did. Yeah. So you're a you're a coach, and you presented. Um, what? So tell me, what did you present at IFLT this year? I pre well, I presented with Senor Woolley, and we talk about finding the narrative and different resources. And I presented this year a new one on assessment and just how to really dig into assessment and dig the CI. You know, you talk about comprehensible input in. How do you mine that and then get the output that students are ready for? Um, and I did one about, you know, just making content-based units that still give lots of input, but go a little beyond just telling a fun story. That's, that's interesting. Did you find, like, in your sessions, those sessions on assessments, who do you find uh, the participants that, that come? Um, are they beginners or they tend to be intermediate? Like, who do you find in those sessions mostly? I found 
more in the maybe advanced beginner to intermediate stage, but I think the beginners are a little busy with the things that they have going on in their beginning track. And so um, I don't think that it means that the beginners don't have those questions. I think the beginners don't yet know what questions they have. They're still like wrapping true. their mind around the whole idea of providing the CI. And it does tend to be more of the intermediates that are like, okay, I get the input now. Like it's what, time. What does it look like when they output? So, yeah, that's that. I guess that's true because at the beginning stages, you're, you're more like, wow, this is overwhelming. <laughs> It is so, and so many resources and so many ideas and how to file it all into your brain to, you know, pull it back out when you're actually in the danger zone in front of students. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. That's so true because I was, I was uh, interviewing uh, Justin Slocum Bailey earlier at the uh, conference and he was talking about, and Mark Mullaney also, they said um, a lot of times the beginners that come and observe these um, guys doing language labs, they're just like, there's no way I can possibly do this. But they explain that this is a process. This is years of um, being mentored, practicing, falling on your face and getting up, making mistakes and starting over. You just don't walk in and see those guys doing that because they just do that naturally. Um they worked on it. It's a process. So you're right. I guess beginning teachers at CI tend to tend to think the language lab guys are like amazing. Like when you, I don't, have you done a lab at IFLT before? I've never been a presenter of a lab. Um, I've been in the labs and I can say the same, you know, in my classroom, the things that I do today, I couldn't have done 10 years ago when I first started this. It is a lot of just picking yourself back up after something fails or at the end of the year, you go, oh man, I totally didn't hit on this like I should have. And um, I admire those guys for being able to do that in such a short, like they get one day to stand there in front of a whole group of teachers who are going to be evaluating their every move. That takes a special kind of person. That's the magic though. I mean, it is so magic. I love, and you see, I think that's why, like, if you look at the participants of IFLT, you'll see that a lot of people don't just go one time. They go back again and again, and you hear people say, this is my third or my fourth or, you know, even my second IFLT. It shouldn't be a one and done because when you see them the first time, you might be tempted to say, I could never do this. But as you watch more and more people, you start to find your voice in what they're saying, like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that. Maybe not everything he does, but that. And then you get to see another lab teacher and another lab teacher. And it all starts to click together for you just by that experience you've had more than once. I, I agree with that 100 uh, percent. My first year, I was overwhelmed. I came back and I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know exactly <laughs> what should I do. I just don't feel like and I saw Mark Mullaney and I really Mark Mullaney is like the master of PQA. Like he just has it yes. down. And I love doing PQA because I love those connections with students. And I love talking about their lives. Um, but I just felt overwhelmed. I was like, there's no possible way I could do this in my classroom. Not like that. And then I, you know, I had to realize after, 
you know, time that this is a process and it's okay to scaffold and have notes and have questions and have an outline. Cause I was thinking, I don't need those things. Why do I need those things? But. Oh my gosh, I did the first few years I did it. I had my whole script written out and I kept it. I walked around with my clipboard and I, I would the just same. read the questions off the clipboard. Yeah. And it's okay. It's like, there's a, it was, it's okay. Until you get to that level where, where you feel confident and it just, becomes natural like these guys seem to be natural but we just have to yes they do so but you're amazing yourself um and we, oh thank you you need to do a lab and i bet it would be equally amazing if you did a lab if you taught a lab uh what what level would it be elementary middle high school what would you i have never worked with little kids i think they're so cute and I feel like it might be really fun to work with them. I would love the idea of working with, can you hear my neighbor's rooster crowing right I now? He it. sees me on the porch and he's like crowing in the back. This is, this um, is live guys. This is live. This is real life. Um, I haven't gotten to work with beginners for a couple of years because now I'm teaching just two and three and four. And so I think it would be fun to get a lab because man, there is nothing like those beginners that get so excited about being able to understand and say stuff in their new language. So uh, it might be fun to have the little bitty guys, but really like my homies are my high school students. I love them. I love working uh, with the big kids and attitude and all. They just are my people. Yeah, I'm I'm high school, but I tend to not um, enjoy teaching beginners as much. I teach uh, Spanish two, three, and four, and Heritage one and two, and that's that's kind of my jam. I, I really enjoy the the higher levels, but I see how rewarding it can be to teach beginners and see them blossom. Um, it, it, yeah, you get to, you really see, I think in the intermediate levels, we always think, man, they didn't make as much progress this year as they did the last, because they do, they start to create with language, and then they start to look messy, and then you feel a little bit like, man, I, I didn't help any this year, yeah. but but really, that's just their language process, but those beginners are fun, because you know that whatever they're doing at the end of the year is because they've gotten something out of what you've done at the start of the year exactly so that's you know that's interesting that you'd want to do that if if you taught a lab so that kind of leads into my next question if you i'd like to know a little bit about your language journey briefly of how you how you became carrie toth and where you are and you know you're here now and you're a presenter and you um you work with bully and you do a lot of positive things in the ci community what was that language journey like Well, just really quickly, I'm going to tell you two pieces of it because there, you know, there's a gap in between, but I I didn't go to college to be a Spanish teacher. And I've listened to the episodes that you've already released. And I think that's a common theme among us all. I went to be a doctor. I was in pre-med and Spanish was my minor and I was just going to work with bilingual patients. But uh, I, I met a boy in Spanish class and I fell in love and boy, it's that, that external, happens. like everybody talked about what was that point where it clicked and you fell in love with the language. When you have that external motivation to learn to do it better, that's when, and I wanted to be able to talk to him and his family. <laughs> and so all of a sudden Spanish became the A number one thing. And uh, I, I wouldn't trade for a second where I am. That didn't work out. I have a wonderful husband uh, who I love that is not that boy, but um, it did work out very well career-wise because this is right where I feel like I want to be. 
That's hilarious because um, Wooly, Wooly moved to Costa Rica. Senior Wooly, Jim Woolridge moved to Costa Rica chasing a lady, which didn't work out, but the language worked out. So it's same for you. The language worked out, but the boy didn't work out. Fantastic. But the boy did it, which is just fine. I don't. Um, but then you asked, how did I get to be Carrie Toth? And uh, the truth is that I, I had a Spanish teacher in high school that I really liked. And so I was doing the first maybe 10 years of my career. I was just doing exactly what he had done um, because that was how I learned. And I, I learned from him. And uh, it turns out that I tried to get the national board certification and I didn't achieve the first time. And not only didn't I achieve, but my two lowest scores and it's like the four point scale you know so yeah, yeah. I got a one out of four on designing instruction over time which basically says there's no evidence that this teacher knows how to plan lessons and what? I got a 1.25 out of four on how second language acquisition works which means basically this teacher has no idea how wow. students learn language so I was in a bad place because I thought I was you know doing the right things in the classroom I loved my class. I loved my students, um, but it got me thinking. And as I researched a little, I found Dr. Krashen and his research and it put me on the right path. As soon as I started moving that direction, like a lot of doors started opening up. Um, I, I felt more success with my students. It took that, that harsh kind of reality, that evaluation. You're like, whoa. <laughs> But, you know, that's interesting because a lot of people, well, I don't know if a lot of people, but some people probably would have taken that and it, it could have destroyed their career or just, you know, headed well, down I'm the wrong avenue. I'm act like there wasn't a moment or two there. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I am the worst teacher ever. Maybe I need to look for another job because I suck. But uh, my mentor was really good. And she said, you know, this is just like those stages of grief. You kind of need to pass through some emotions before we can talk about the redo. And I was like, I'm not redoing this. I don't want to put myself out there again. But with time, I came to accept that maybe I did need to redo. And it went fine. I got my national board certification. But it also, like, if I hadn't, I think people shy away from failure or don't want to admit that they've failed or True. think that it's a bad thing. But geez, if I hadn't failed, I would have still been just plugging away doing what I'd been doing before. And exactly. that moment of my worst, lowest feeling turned into like some of the best highs of my career. It was a catalyst and that's that's a beautiful and amazing story. Um, like I said, it could have it could have been different, but it you know, it turned out to be uh, a blessing and you blossomed into the amazing uh, curriculum writer that you are now. So look at all that look at that. So you fall down, you get up. And that's kind of the same way we were talking earlier about beginning with CI. If you fall down just get back up. It'll be okay. Just That's right. Keep trying. And every day trying something new and not beating yourself up. I think that somebody at IFLT, I think it might have been Becky Moulton, that said we carry around all this emotional baggage. Like you have to be able to set down, okay, I didn't do it as well in the past, but you got to be able to set that down and clear your mind of what you used to do wrong and just focus on from now on, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Right, that, that gotta keep that mental health balance and 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 reflection, you know, and being able to accept the mistakes and move forward. So those are those are some good takeaways. Anything else you'd like to add about your journey? Did it 
did it stop there? I mean, you are where you are now. You know, it didn't stop there. And I think the secret to that is that I have this kind of like growth mindset, learner mindset. Um, as I as I continued wanting then to grow from out of that experience, I went back to get my master's. And when I was getting my master's, I was taking this class on the Spanish Civil War. And I uh, had this unit that I had planned for my students. And Christy Placido saw it. And it was the first time that I'd really met her. And she was working for Fluency Matters. And uh, she showed it to Carol G- And Carol asked, you know, well, this unit is great, but there's no reader to go with it. Would you be interested in writing the reader? And uh, it was kind of scary because I'd never written anything before, but I said, I don't mind if you'll help me. So I kind of sketched out a story and then she helped me figure out how to make it more appealing to everybody, not just the girls who like Lifetime movies. And um (laughs) <laughs> and through that process of learn, you know, being willing to say, I really, you know, I'm not an experienced editor. I'm not an experienced writer. What can I do to make this better? It has helped me become a better writer. I'm getting ready to release a book this fall. And I feel like now when I write a story, I kind of, you know, your brain knows how to uh, set it up so every chapter has some action or or so the plot line stays focused, or so you use the right words to not let the vocabulary get out of bounds. But if it all was because I was able to like take this journey with mentors. And so I think that would be like a takeaway from just my whole journey that open yourself up. You're never at the top and you're never perfect. There's always somebody that knows more. So if you can open up to learn from different people, True. Uh, they can teach you and help you get even better than wherever you are. So wait a minute, let's, let's just back up for a second. Did, did you just say you're releasing a book this fall? I am. This is what? the public announcement on your podcast. What? It's a it first is. here? I I just, I'm honored. I'm I dropping really. a little secret. You're going to go bananas. Oh, when my goodness. I'm ready. Bananas. Tell us. What can you tell us? Can you tell us anything? Just that? I, is that enough? Ban- uh, oh, it, bananas it, is the... Okay, bananas. I'm a little slow. Bananas. Okay. That uh, it good. is uh, set in Central America in the United Fruit era, and um, it, oh, I, it was kind of an accidental thing. Goodness! I know. I'm so excited. I mean, I think I, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm excited. I hope it is actually inspired by true events. So um, the guide that I had in Costa Rica this year shared a bunch of really. Uh, difficult stories about growing up on the banana plantation in Costa Rica. And um, he had a powerful story. And so just uh, taking, you know, the idea that he shared, um, it it is not his bio and it is not, you know, based on a true story. It's definitely just inspired by those events because I kind of recombined some of the things that happened to other people in his community and stuff. Uh, But he has, He's reaching out now and helping families that are affected. And that's something that I'm going to get to do with the book. Um, I'm going to donate 10% of the proceeds from the reader to the charity that he works with. And so um, it's just been really a cool experience this summer. That sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that here. That's, I feel so honored. You heard that, guys, um, this fall. So um, moving forward. You've listened to some of the other podcasts that I've recorded from IFLT. I have. And um, I've asked everyone about their experience working with Senior Woolley. 
And most of our listeners know probably that you do work with Senior Woolley. Um, but for those that do not know, um, tell us what do you do with Senior Woolley and, and tell us the sauce. What is it like working with Senior Woolley? Well, I, I always say that he gets all of his ideas from me. It's a lie because he really doesn't get that many. But if you think back, like I told him that he was cruel and evil and he didn't have a heart. And he said, no, I keep my heart in a backpack. So oh, really, ya está muerto. It's 100% my doing. Awesome. Um, trying to think if I've ever worn a scarf when I was around him. <laughs> I guess I can't take any credit take for no that one. I don't even one, think... Huh? No, no, not that one. Uh, fail, you know, I'm obviously no, fail. Fail. No. 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 <laughs> I have, I, I love working with Senor Woolley. Um, it's different for me. I work for Fluency Matters. I write curriculum right. there. Uh, Senor Woolley curriculum has that, like, funny factor. You know, it just, it's a different, my brain is very demented and well, that's a perfect <laughs> Jim's fit. brain is very demented. So it's a perfect fit. Um, I write nugget curriculum. Uh, I do the circling guides for his graphic novels. Um, and Jim and I have done some video tutorial series. Um, he comes to my classroom and, uh, we film with students and just kind of demo the, uh, I feel like teachers, I'm very visual. And so if I just describe to somebody what an activity is, I think it's hard for teachers to just see how to do it. Like, I feel like I need to witness it occurring before I feel comfortable doing it in my own classroom. And so that's kind of the idea with our video tutorials that by watching what we do with real students, teachers will be able to do the same. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to know that... Uh working with Jim is not too painful. <laughs> it, it can be, but see, he's got to keep us around because uh, the staff at Woolley, like at the end of a conference, you've seen the fan club, like they love him. He's so wonderful. And he is, don't get me wrong. He's super wonderful, uh, but his head gets kind of big. And in order to be able to go home to his wife and children, he has to keep his staff around close to deflate, deflate him a little yeah, bit because, down. you know, he, yeah, you can't just like go back home expecting to be Senor Woolley when you, you know, live a, a regular life after you cross that threshold again. So that basically that's why he the keeps pitfalls us. a celebrity. Aye. Checks and balances. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the joke is, I, you know, I work the Woolley booth sometimes at conferences. And yes. Uh, one, yes. one of the jokes that I have is I try to I try to be a stand in when the line gets really long for selfies. And uh, I try to tell people, it, you know, I can I can be a step, you know, stand in if you'd like a selfie with me. And no one ever takes me up on that offer. So, well, you know, I feel the same way because, like, if he's present and somebody's walking towards us, like if we're presenting together, or if we're just standing somewhere together, nine times out of ten, the person is going for Wooly, and you know, really would like for me to get the <laughs> heck out of their way, uh, but. That one out of 10 times when they walk up and they totally ignore him and they're like, oh, Carrie Toth, I read your book. I'm just, I, it makes me feel so freaking good. Like just one out of 10 times. And Jim is over there gritting I, his teeth. I get to be the one where Jim is like, great, this person doesn't know me. I'm like, oh, here, let me introduce you to my friend, Jim. I love it, Carrie. He's a nobody, really. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I have just one more question for you today. Um, 
Any advice to those aspiring to move toward a proficiency-based classroom using CI strategies, um, especially since IFLT 19 is over and probably some of those people are listening, um, how to process yes. that, that massive amount of information they received, or even those that didn't get to attend IFLT 19, um, any advice that are going to attend IFLT yeah, 2020. Um, so just those, just any advice you'd. I think that my number one parting advice would be that you have to take it slowly. If anything, if you try to throw out your entire curriculum as it's written and implement something fully new in all four levels of the class that you teach in one year, you're going to wear yourself out. And and then you're going to be looking more at what isn't working than at what is working. Whereas if you take things a little at a time, and for me, it was leaving the textbook behind. I had to add in, I added in stories the first year and I would take the vocab from the textbook. I'd still do the grammar lessons. I wasn't ready to let that go yet, but I do stories with the students. And when I saw how much they were engaged in that, it encouraged me to have them do more stories. And so the next year I was ready to, you know, step a little further away from the textbook. And then the next year I stepped all the way out, but I had scripts. I used uh, story scripts from Carol Gobb and from Blaine Ray and, and then two or three years of that. And I was ready to make my own. So you just have to promise yourself that you'll take it slow and that you won't let a failure just totally derail your progress. Like failure just means, okay, look at it and see what you do different next time, but it's the opportunity to grow. That's, that's some profound advice. Uh, so deep, like the ocean, like, the, like Mar de Plástico. Mar de Plástico. <laughs> it's that deep. I love that unit, by the way. Carrie, thank you thank so you. much for uh, talking to me today and sharing your story and experiences and takeaways from my FLT. Um, thank you so much for having so, me. So have a beautiful day. You too. Bye. Bye. -bye.